Well, uh, yeah, been been a second or two. Uh, you know, we've been uh, we've been busy. Pal world, you know. On that note, uh, quick update with things there. There's not really any news on the whole Nintendo versus Pal world thing. Uh, Nintendo's got their eyes out for people that are legitimately infringing, and uh, they got like another new suit against another one that's out there. But that's that. So. I've got uh, an article up on the screen here. We'll, we'll deal with that in a second. But something I actually was more interested in is right before we went on the air, I uh, brought up the uh, what I consider to be the three major search engines. That being Google, Bing, and uh, search.brave.com because that's that's the three I use. I also use StartPage, but StartPage is just Google with a VPN. So, whatever. So anyway, I uh, figured I'd uh, search Pal World and hit the news section and see what's trending. Because, you know, generally, these uh, any, mo- any modern search engine is just going to be going about what's uh, either what's trending or what they want to be trending. So without further ado, I'll just read you the top five uh, titles and where they're from and let you make up your own mind. We'll start with the uh, outlier, that being Brave. So from Forbes.com, 10 hours ago, Pal World has lost two-thirds of its players in two weeks. Uh, long and short, there's a lot of folks who aren't playing as random because it's not like a games-as-a-service MMO thing. So, you know, people have checked it out. They enjoyed it, and they'll maybe come back when there's an update or something. Whatever. Anyway, second one is uh, out of YouTube. Pal World, try this item to improve your base, updated... Building tips for power, whatever. 19 hours ago, Reddit one day ago. Our Valheim on Reddit, some Valheim thoughts after 100 hours in Power World. Game Rant, Power World player hits max level for finishing the tutorial. And from CBR, Power World loses two thirds of players in two weeks again. So that's the big one out of, that's the top hits out of Brave. So we'll go with the number two, because obviously Google's number one. So out of Microsoft Bing, Forbes, again, number one. Pal World has lost two-thirds of its players in two weeks. Out of Dextero, or Dexerto, Pal World player accidentally deletes whole base with just one item. And uh, apparently set the whole fucking thing on fire. Idiot. Anyway, from uh, Digital Trends, if you can't get enough Pal World, try these great games next. From the, <laughs> from the Arkansas Democratic Gazette, Game On, Opinion, Pal World, A Diamond in the Rough. And from Game Game Rant, Pal World, How to Unlock and Use a Viewing Cage. Both of these seem pretty reasonable. Uh, They do list the the Forbes article. Because, you know, Forbes is the biggest publication out there. As these things go, that's covering it at all. So, you know, it makes sense to put that up there. And these seem pretty reasonable. I kind of, uh, I'm kind of impressed at the randomness of the two of them too, because, you know, you're getting stuff from really kind of across the net. So, let's go to Google. So, again, top, we have Pal World has lost two-thirds of its players in two weeks. From Forbes. Number two, from Gaming Bible. Pal World in trouble as Nintendo president confirms action will be taken. The confirmation of said action is nothing new. It's the same uh, thing that was said before, that they've got their legal team just looking into things. And, as described... And from PC Games in Power World down 1.3 million players in Steam's biggest ever two-week drop. 
And from Game Rant, Pal World knocked off top spot on Steam charts. And from Comic Book Resources, Pal World loses two thirds of its players in two weeks. And I just find that very interesting. The um, the framing done there because it's like, uh, oh Google, you're you're always shitting on the uh, always shitting on the indie guy. Funny that. Well, you know that's uh, that's just kind of how it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be the. I I will tell you that more people at work were more interested in the fact that it was going to get shut down by Nintendo than anything about the game. Uh, I heard more people comment when I was talking about that, about the shutting down Nintendo. So it's very possible that when you start talking about the folks who use Google, it's just normies. And so the, the search results reflect normie interests, which would be mega lawsuits against the big game, yada, yada, yada. Well, too, that is true, but as well, you know, we have to um, we have to genuinely uh, lean into some of the words of the Beanie Man himself, and you know, there is there is a little bit of influence being laid down in the way that these things are done. You know, old Tim has uh, said it himself. You know, there's narrative crafting going on here. Oh yeah, and that's that's what's happening. You know, they 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 lean into the search results. And yes, Bats, uh, Nintendo, they will if they can. I don't now, think that they have a case. That's kind of what a lot of the thinking is. And yeah, no, lawsuits are... Lawsuits are like ships on the ocean. You know, they're uh, they're slow in plotting. They, uh, they take their time oh. in getting there and they take their time in setting their course and going where they're going. So if there is one coming, you know. Well, consider uh, consider for a moment the case uh, earlier this year, uh, or I guess earlier last year. I think it was sometime around the uh, March to April time frame of last year. Uh, Wizards of the Coast decided to shit on... There is a T-Font flying in the sky. Hmm. It's just taking off. I, I'm sorry. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like watching a T-Fint fly up into the sky like a balloon. Got blasted away. Yeah. Uh, in any case, so Wizards of the Coast, uh, they they chose to revise the OGL. Now, the OGL for D&D was put out sometime around the late 90s, uh, 99, 98, 99, early 2000, somewhere in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the release of 3rd Edition, which changed everything from Gary Gygax's very math-intense system into the much more approachable D20 system, which uh, made the math straightforward, and you're just basically trying to over your meter beat, right? Uh, that was that was the system that came up. That was the system that got replaced, and it led to tremendous success for D&D because it allowed for a whole bunch of people to use some of the D&D concepts and IP. They had some stuff that wasn't OGL and some stuff that was OGL. But they had people that were able to use direct concepts and uh, and framing and terminology in writing books and fiction 
and independent third-party stuff. And part of the uh, the reason they did that was that the, if if you operated a game or built something on the under the OGL where you got to use Wizards of the Coast IP, and they liked what you had going on, then they could basically use it there. So if you if you did an OGL thing, your if you were working to their products under the OGL, then fundamentally your products were under the OGL, and everything was all well uh, interoperable, great. if you well, like. Yeah, interoperable. You know, you, but you also would, interoperable you really from cool. a um, from from like an actual business standpoint too. Right. It 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 allowed them to essentially allow homebrewers to use their crap, and uh, yeah, okay. So the dude who's over there running a show kind of like ours uh, is going to make himself a quarter over the year. And Red, do they really want to go after your quarter? No, it's not worth the time, effort, and energy. However. If somebody does produce something that's really valuable, then they can borrow from it and use that to inspire their own designs and make it mesh better with their system and therefore actually make money off of it. And that's kind of the theory, uh, was was that we all grow together. It's it's open source gaming. And then they decided that, oh, well, back in, I guess, to continue the history lesson, sometime around 2008, 2009, they released 4th edition. And 4th edition pissed everybody off. They'd already released 3.5, they really needed to go to a fourth edition. Uh, 3.5 had, you know, the problem that you have with with uh, tabletop games is unless you have very very strict mathematical control, you get power creep, and so all of a sudden you get things uh, the pin pin. Uh, anybody wants to look that up? By level two, you become a god because of a whole bunch of esoteric feats in a bunch of different books, and then you can like make yourself a a living god in the game by level two and i don't mean I, just you're overpowered i mean literally you are a god in the game with a domain and all the other stuff well you know there's there's a thing that uh if you are an evil bard that you can um and you have uh if you happen to have the book of vile darkness and it's uh fuck i can't remember the other one it's one of the bard specific source books but by way of that, you can summon a swarm, give it sentience, and because of the size of the swarm, it's got, like, far, far, far deep into epic numbers of uh, intelligence and charisma yeah. and wisdom. And so it can immediately, upon being summoned at level, I think, two, grant wishes. Really? Yeah. So That's kind of interesting. Yeah, but so, yeah, so, so but yeah, was, it, that's a, that's one of those things. That's kind of a, a thing. So that's uh... for those of us for those of us who like to theory craft and power game. It's part of the game. It's part of the game mechanics. But uh, obviously, by the time and that's part of power creep, right? You want to put in these unique abilities, and there's no way for a game designer to account for all of the different abilities in all of the books and how they're all going to interact, right? For whatever cool idea that is that you had. So, so D&D needed a replacement. They did 3.5, which kind of adjusted everything to keep it in line, but Power Creep was still an issue. And uh, World of Warcraft at the time was making a ton of money. So yeah, was. Wizards of the Coast decided that they were going to produce they were going to produce a tabletop game. Yeah, let's that, do it like that. Let's do it like that. And, uh, of course. Uh, and in the, the classic internet moment, you have the... Uh, the... You have the screens that says everyone disliked that. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, they they were trying to catch catch that, and and fourth edition came out, and it was fourth edition made a lot of improvements. It changed your resources from solely on a per day basis because if you played third edition uh, or three point five, it, you know it, it'd be like go take a fight, go take a nap, go take a fight, go take a nap, and that's just basically how adventurers progressed. You didn't have resources that you managed. Uh, in a dungeon, you just wall yourself in and set up watch, and what the hell, you know, you go into every fight fresh. So they tried to do some changes there, they tried to make it, but it, they, the math became nakedly simple. Uh, so, you know, your cleric and your wizard and your fighter were all equally rolling 1d6 for whatever their attack is, using at whatever it was, with no real major variation between Yeah, it now, was... Uh, it was... Utterly it, it bland was, and homogenous. It was absolutely bland and homogenous. So everybody hated it. And the uh, the consequence of that was there was a, a group. Uh, they they ended up forming the company Paizo, but they had a whole bunch of homebrewed rules that they implemented to deal with those specific problems. So they implemented concepts like the cantrip system, because under 3.5 rules, cantrips, which are these very very weak low level spells, that you pretty much don't use after uh, after your first level there um, they were they had a certain number of casts per day they made those things unlimited so basically gave wizards a weapon that they could actually use using their spell abilities um, they had things where where they implemented a whole bunch of different uh, class features that made these classes a lot less cookie cutter and unique so you stopped having this desire to go away from the base and they this became a system known as Pathfinder. If you play Pathfinder First Edition, which was, I think uh, that ran pretty much right around that same time, uh, and and Pathfinder First Edition was late three point five. It was it's three point seven five. Most people consider it three point seven five. Yeah, that's and fair. That's, and that's you know that's that's the way it should be. Like that's the way it should be considered because it was it was a great uh, it was a great well done system. And they eventually came out with second edition, and that uh, that's been going now, actually for quite a few years. Um, it's almost, I think it's almost ten years old now. No, it can't be almost ten years old. It's got to be uh, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. That would be ten years. Yeah, I guess it would be. Jesus. Yeah, I know, crazy, right? So second. You know, you know what else thing. is uh, ten years in August? Uh, your girlfriend. Huh. No. Uh, I've no uh, I've never dated Zoe Quinn. Oh. Oh, she dates it backwards, huh? Uh, or at least gosh. her problems do. Well, they uh, according to her, they never go away. That is Maybe so because weird. She yeah, because that was like, them. and that is that is about like I've been at the lab, or I started the lab ten years ago. I left the lab with because it was a different company in there. That's crazy. Wild. It's crazy how long it's been. But Easy in any stuff. case, uh, uh, so so uh, Wizards of the Coast decided that they were going to update the OGL. And they were going to update the OGLs to, to include terms like, if you ever make more than X amount of dollars, uh, then Wizards gets a direct uh, Using anything in the OGL, then Wizards gets a direct cut of... And this is last year, by the way, just as a by the by, year. 2023. Wizards, Wizards would get a 30% cut of your gross revenue. Not even your profit your gross revenue yeah. and it was very very clear because 
even though fifth edition D and D has actually been massively successful and basically recovered uh, what fourth edition lost, uh, Pathfinder has been going as its own game, and second edition is is a really well done, mathematically balanced system, um, and they don't have. It's a legitimate, challenging rival. I think they they hit something like a couple million dollars a year in sales, which is is really like you know that doesn't sound like much, but well, that's for quite a substantial for a niche gaming company. That's product. pretty substantial. Well, yeah, I mean they're right? selling books. Right, they're selling books, and oh yeah, by the way, it's not a mainstream system. It's like an off-brand system. That's enough to pay for a. If you talk about uh, you know, grossing a couple million a year. That's enough to pay a development staff of maybe ten to fifteen people. That's about about where you're at there, right? And uh, to make sure they have decent jobs and all the other stuff. And that's that's like it's always been a small company. Well, the end result was that people decided that they were gonna are are gonna bail there. Now, um, uh, they were gonna bail, and it, Pathfinder gained a whole bunch of followers because it was really dirty uh, what Wizards did, and so. Izo came out and created the Orc license, which was the OGL, but it explicitly stated the terms of this license can't be violated or changed in any way. Hmm. Um, and so they came out with that, and everybody started playing Pathfinder, and that was the way it was. Which we get to this because, oh, what happened to the Pokemon and, and Power World stuff? Well, Pathfinder started off as Creative Commons licensing type product with almost the exact same system and uh you know obviously the ogl covered them but it's it, it was not there were still limitations right you couldn't turn around and, and basically reskin a wizard's product and put it out on the market in the case of pal world versus pokemon if the only the commonality that you really have is you catch monsters in a sphere that's uh that's not much that's not much. I, I don't like, you know, the, I've spent probably more time in this game building a base and organizing and collecting resources than I have catching Pokemons in a ball. And, and that's just the way the scope and design of the game is. You, you're planning your labor creations. You're breeding them to produce specific genres of, of pals. I have my, my mind comp here where I'm breeding special Anubises to... Only the purest the of the world. pure of Anubises. Only, only the purest of the pure. Um, but like you know, that that kind of stuff, it it adds it adds a layer to the game that that's just not present. And so yes, a a lot. Of, I will say the art style is very similar. But then again, I mean, how many, how much anime is similar to other anime? Like how Absolutely. truly unique can you get in an art style? Um, yeah, Pokemon had this kind of child exuber childish exuberance in their their models, and certainly there's stuff like the Anubis. The Anubis looks very similar to a Pokemon, but there's like 450 fucking Pokemon, right? How many variations of well, actually, do you have? Well, the thing is, to that directly, I can speak to that based on interviews with the developer. That is based on the fact of who they hired for the designer. Another one of these, uh, like, scrappy, young, independent startup kind of deals. Uh, everybody's heard the story of how they got their, uh, how they got their gun designs. There was a guy that uh, worked at a convenience store uh, that had just graduated middle school, even, 
that uh, worked at this convenience store just happened to be a uh, gun otaku that the uh, dev was like, man, I need somebody that knows what they're doing. And he just happens to find this guy that's a hobbyist gun nerd. And, you know, like magic. And then, you know, when it comes time to the... uh, And then for this part, where we're talking about these design similarities, he got uh, some, some girl that just did her own... Not even fan art, did her own personal uh, fan fiction Pokemons. And it was it was like a match made in heaven. So it's like, I like Pokemon, I like the Pokemon style, but I've made all my own. And then, and then he needs someone as a design lead. And who else does he get but somebody that's already well-versed in the style and has, you know, her own portfolio of uh, pals, in this case, or mons, or whatever. You know, it's... Um, it's it's one of those uh, again, just that scrappy young indie startup kind of deal, you know. Uh, a number of actually competent people just kind of get together and, for the love of what they're doing, do what they're doing. So that's I I don't think they have a case. Yeah. No, as Bat says, there is no, they don't have fair use in Japan, but from this, I think we're well past fair use. Well, that's, that's the point, right? It's not, you know, writing a story about a squirtle or something like yeah. that. Now, now, might Nintendo do some fuckery? Maybe. As a matter of fact, I've heard that they are pulling some strings behind the scenes. They're um, calling up all their talent that works on anything with well they aren't the companies they work for that uh, do the hiring and the staffing and everything they're making the calls those calls being that uh, if you work on pal world there's this is going out uh, I've only heard to voice acting talent in Japan but uh, that being if you work on pal world you're not going to work on another Nintendo product ever which tells me also and they really don't have a case if they're uh, if they're pulling these kind of tactics. Well, these kinds of things are. I don't think that that's a real thing. Maybe, maybe not. I, I I can't attach anything to it more than rumor, but it is something I've heard. I mean, the the thing is, the the question you have to ask is: so let's say an individual is talented, and they come and they work on Power World. Why wouldn't Nintendo want to tire, uh, hire them after they've already been tried out and demonstrated success? You know what I mean? Mm. That's a real like, danger. Uh, I would not. I would not be in a position where I would turn around and say, "Hey, yeah," because somebody put out an IP. Which, by the way, like this, this Power World doesn't compete with Pokemon. It's a different game, right? It's a different game. It's got a different market. It's on a different platform, right? This is not something that they released for the Switch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. This is not a. Uh, this is not the kind of thing that you just turn around and be like, "Oh, well, you know." Um, this is this is direct issue with their market share because it's not. Power World is, you know. Well, it's, it's uh, not, but it's it is. kind of its own thing. I mean, but it, it is, but similar, that falls on the back of Nintendo and Game Freak. IP. 
right? It's a similar, it does a similar thing, but it's not directly competing with Pokemon. No, it's not, not at all. Lose but money on Pokemon sales because Pal World exists. That's uh, well, maybe a little, maybe a little, but not enough to, you know, it's it, it's, it's not, not a legal not, thing. I mean, they are right. going to, but it's that falls to them not being innovators, not to their, uh, not to any sort of theft or anything, but to the fact that they're just they're not doing the cool, new, interesting thing. You know that falls well, to Game that's, Freak, that's kind of thing. and you know the people that are developing the the uh, the Pokemon games. You know that's if people just aren't that interested, they just aren't that interested. Well, and 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 at the end of the day, right? Like if if po- a new Pokemon comes out, no nobody's going to be in a position saying, "Hey, yeah, I want to play Power World, but I don't want to play Pokemon. I don't need to play Pokemon, right? Because I'm playing Power World. That's not going to happen. That's not how people game." We don't turn around and not buy something that's a, a good IP because we have something else that's kind of similar. We're like, yeah, let's do multiple multiple of the same type of thing. That's just the way the the industry is. Hmm, that's so true. I I don't think you know. I think on one hand, so so what what do they have to be cautious about? The first thing they have to be cautious about is they have to defend their IP because what tends to happen in the courts is uh, is that if they don't defend their IP, then they uh, or they they don't adequately defend their IP, then it can be considered abandoned as as a property, and that means that they they get basically they they lose custodial control over it. Mm-hmm. So so they do. They do have to do something, right? They can't just do nothing. Um, at least not not in perpetuity. But it doesn't mean that they need to. Uh, they have to go after everything. It's kind of like Blizzard, right? Uh, Blizzard did the same thing a little while back, where they somebody made. Was it a MOBA? Might have been a MOBA. With some Blizzard IP, and they said, "Oh no, please don't." And they did this kind of like half-assed method of of doing it, but it was only done to make sure that they maintained control over the actual characters. That's it. It might have been a mod for something or something. Was that the thing that became like, uh, that became a game in and of itself? I think that's the thing that became uh, Dota. I think. Yeah, yeah. Dota. No, yeah, I, no, I think that is that. I think, yeah. And then there were a bunch of clones, but yeah, I think yeah, that was and the then thing. They basically, I think what they ended up doing was they sued them, and then bought them in bankruptcy for like what they thought the IP was worth. And Dota, they basically said, "Hey, you can keep making your game your way, but we're going to use this and make Heroes of the Storm." Is what I think ended up happening, something like that. But they they basically did a no stop and cease and desist and but it wasn't really and it's a whole thing. Uh yeah yeah. Oh you know in a in a yeah I guess in a kind of related story you know and and the uh, you know they they at least made the attempt this time is uh, that uh, I don't know if you've heard Lloyd Austin is back in the hospital, but uh, they they actually at least. You know, said something. And who so, is uh, Lloyd Austin? Oh, uh, the Secretary of Defense. Oh. The one who went into the hospital 
in it last time, oh, and yeah, then we yeah, didn't yeah. find out for like, like five they... days. So they to be at least... honest, if we're going to talk to U.S. government news, I think the big one is the uh, DOJ is not prosecuting Biden because he's mentally inept. Yeah, he has been found not competent to stand trial. Yep. Yeah, long and short. I mean, the, the, those aren't I mean, specific words, but you know, you know, it's great, right? Like, we all know that they had to find some reason why a Democrat isn't going to get prosecuted for a crime they're going after Trump for, right? Where he did the same thing. Yeah. Well, they've got to put something down. Even worse, at a lower tier with less power and permission, right? So they had to. They had to explain it. And they must have sat there and looked at the case and come back with all angles and said, man, we can't dismiss this any other way. Well, also, you have to remember, this is a uh, a Trump prosecutor or a Trump uh, investigator either way, too. So what they're probably thinking as well is like, all right, well, we're going to make you put this out and we're just going to put it on you. And so it's like, all right, fine, then. If uh, if all right, fine. No, we'll make sure that it gets published. We will make sure that it is that it is good to publish. And, you know, if. If we have to, uh, it, you know, we have to exonerate the guy. Well, we have to explain why he's exonerated. You know, it's just yep. that's that's just the way it go- that works. And, People are well, going to ask questions. So, so I do, you know, I do compliance work. That's the majority of my job, and I am, uh, I am very, very adamant in doing the right thing. And so, if somebody comes in and says, "Well, I think that you can nudge it," and it happens every once in a while, I'll nudge it. It's going to cost them, though, right? And it's going to cost them dearly because I'm going to write things and do things the way I think they should be done. And so if somebody wants me to do something some other way, I'll either be cutting scope or doing something else uh, that, that makes me feel that I'm not being completely irresponsible. So I suspect that's what it was, is you probably had somebody who turned around and said, well, we got to charge him. Like, I mean, he, he did the thing. He doesn't have like Trump. Trump can make an argument for um, Trump can make an argument that he uh, he's immune to the whole entire thing because presidents, the president of the United States, has plenary power plenary power over the classification system as it was created in the first place under executive orders. Hmm, so sure. he doesn't have to really do anything. That's that's his strongest argument here. Um, I'm not saying that's the argument he's going to make. I'm just saying that that it is is his strongest argument. Um, so, so Trump has a legitimate argument. Biden doesn't have that argument. That's not something like yeah, he was vice president at the time. Trump Trump has something he can go in and 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 say, hey, you know, to the courts, this is why I'm allowed. This is the exemption to the rule. Yeah, yeah it's like I can I can point to the letter of the law that says I have this authority. Right. Whereas and at the, time, the vice president lacks any such. Well, at the end of the day, if they're going to go prosecute him, uh, not only does he lack any such thing, uh, the more the more important and compelling thing is if they felt they could go after the president for this, then they have to go after the vice president for it. Right. So it's basically a necessity. It's a necessity. Right. They would have to prosecute Biden uh, unless they could find a way that Biden was either not guilty or they they'll they'll pull the exact same thing that they pulled with Hillary Clinton. Right. 
and Hillary Clinton face the exact same charges mm-hmm. that Trump is. Uh, probably more egregious because hers actually looked like it was intent, uh, whereas in the case of Trump, a lot of it seems – I mean my I would be wait, betting good money that most of Trump's case is him sitting there and ha- having his aides pack a bunch of boxes and nobody sitting there and taking a look at the paperwork and him wanting to go through what he has – uh, probably because I, you know, I, I'm sure that he had access to documents that were technically classified, but that he wanted to uh, to have remain remain his uh, in, under his cognizance and under his control, so that he could use them for his own defense. Because that was kind of the argument the FBI was making when they were prosecuting for the Russia stuff. They said, "Hey." You know what? I you know I can't comment on an active, ongoing investigation. Well, that certainly sounds like Trump's guilty, but in reality, it was there's no evidence against him whatsoever. But it's an active investigation, so they couldn't comment on it. That was like Comey's play. Sure enough. So it's very, very dirty. Oh, quite. You know that's that's what they did. So, so I, I mean, I, that was that's that's beautiful. I am I am really pleased. There are obviously some people who really care about their job, and are kind of mad at the, hey, we can't we can't prosecute this guy under this, uh, under this statute because it's the president of the United States and it would look bad. Um, oh well, then how do you explain that? Like that's exactly how that conversation went. Well, how do you explain going after Trump? Well, we're going after Trump because Trump did something wrong. Well, Biden did the exact same thing. Sure enough. So they've got they. There has to be an explainer of some variety. I just there has, there to, has be to. Some it's sort like, of exception. Like we we have to have a reason for this. If we don't, then we're opening up the door. I mean, the door's already wide open, but then they're uh, they're putting like a "come on in" sign on top of it. Well, you know, they they opened the door in a bad way with Clinton because they argued that she was immune to prosecution because there was no demonstration of intent. But intent is not part of the mishandling classified information statute, right? If you mishandle classified information, you mishandled classified information. It doesn't matter whether you did it intentionally or whether you're just a fucking moron. You mishandled classified information. You put the security of the state at risk. That is that is the entire principle of the whole thing. And there, like I mentioned before, with the Hillary Clinton thing, there are better arguments to be made that that you know the government overclassifies things, and there's a lot of Certainly. stuff that probably shouldn't be classified, and it's a, a giant administrative burden to go in and uh, and, and challenge these things. Because it is. Right? I have to have like three people review a document on floor tile before I get to have it transported over the low side. Does it get transported over the low side? Every freaking time. Why? Because there's no classified information in it. But at the same time, I still have to have people like. Gotta jump through the hoops. I have to jump through the hoops. So, you know, as the Secretary of State, if she came out and said, hey, you know, I think, um, I think that this system is all screwed up, that's okay. That's a that's a fine and fair uh, fair perspective that I'm not I'm not actually opposed to. But that's not 
that's not the argument that she made. The argument that she made is that uh, that that she didn't intend to. Well, that <laughs> we don't want to turn around and have the standard be intent. Like that's not what you want for that standard because then every freaking spy could argue that he didn't intend to, and now you have to prove intent. And that's a much harder thing to do than prove mishandling classified information. Like we do these things for a reason. Yeah, there is the uh, the uh, innocence uh, assumed before you know before you can prove the guilt of the uh, the party, the accused mm-hmm. individual, as it were. Well, I mean, in the case of mishandling classified information, you don't have to prove the guilt; it's assumed to be guilty. Especially lately. I mean, you, if you so so the when you take classified information you are fundamentally essentially asserting that you you're you're uh, uh, you're essentially asserting trust if you mishandle that classified information then the, the yeah if it can be tracked back to you then then yeah pretty much there's there's only malfeasance well, I mean, that can it, be thrown to it and it, it should be able right. to be tracked you, back to you because it, it, it there's generally a pretty darn good uh uh what paper trail on on most well, top secret has, and confidential documents. Each one has its own identification marks, and each one has a record, and you have to request uh, authorization for the file, and yeah, it's it's a thing. Like, I mean, I've had, I, again, I've had stuff that gets classified after the effect, after the fact, because it wasn't thought to be classified at the, at the moment, but then somebody sat there and thought about it and said, well... If an individual had access to this other piece of information, then it would the the combined total value of the information would be classified. That's a thing that happens too, uh, which is really annoying. Uh, mm. Oh, I'm sure. But at the same time, it's now, with you know, context. This would be classified, but by itself, right? By itself, it's not. And so, so what do you do? Well. In that case, the government generally classifies the entire system. And, that, and you're like, well, it didn't need to be classified, like... But that's how they work. That sounds like... That sounds like my government in action. Yes, indeed. But, um, yeah, as, as we look at that, we've got uh, this interesting situation here, like, uh, according to the D.C. Appeals Court, you know, Barack Obama doesn't have any sort of presidential immunity bill clinton george oh yeah that's, Joe. that's an interesting aspect yeah. there's there's the other side of this too it's like okay so how many americans were killed by barack obama oh yeah in that drone was, strikes? that's that the uh the president doesn't have immunity yeah I, now I don't think I think this is still lower lower court. I don't think it is. this is a Supreme Court. So I think that'll actually be one of the problems that you're running into right now. And and I think the Democrats are crafty and know this. They know that they're they're just getting these rulings and then it's going to go up to the Supreme Court and get overturned. Like the reason the reason that we don't have the ability to prosecute independently prosecute presidents is you don't want to have political factions having that level of control in uh, choices made at the federal level, right? When you're operating in the federal government as a federal 
uh, as a as a federal elected official, you are operating in a federal position and are subject to federal scrutiny, not not state scrutiny. That's not to say that you know you should be willy nilly com com uh, committing crimes. I don't think that's an appropriate choice. But the federal government has to process. The federal government has to investigate, charge, and prosecute you for those crimes before any sort of state uh, claim to having having uh, standing applies. But yeah, the D.C. Circuit Court just has it by the by. Yeah, and they'll, so they'll, that will definitely if be a moving higher. There's a ham sandwich with a Trump sticker on it. They'll convict that. Yeah. Yeah, they will. They will. So, yeah. There's that. Yeah. And then what else do we have this week? No, there's... There was a lot. There's a whole, whole lot. There was uh, that bill that uh, got introduced for a little oh while. Oh, my God. The, uh, the immigration bill that... Uh, so, so, the crazy part is there was some really good stuff in there. A little bit. The, the, actually, the majority of the bill was good stuff. The problem is that the impact of that versus the bad stuff, the bad stuff outweighed the good, like, ten dollars. Oh, yeah, poison pill. Like, it was, it was sure, we'll give you... Because there's a couple things that need to be done, right? We, we absolutely need to bump up the standards associated with what constitutes a credible fear, right? And, and I think that the appropriate way to do this is to basically turn around and say, if you are not a we, – we only accept it, immigration through our borders at actual border checkpoints. If you want to make an asylum claim, you have to sit there and you want to make it to the United States – you have to go through an official checkpoint. That's 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 part part one. You just say that's part of the process. If you didn't come through an official checkpoint, you're automatically deported. Uh, process number two, you should have to prove that you are a a citizen of the country whose border you're attempting to cross, right? So so yeah, we we should accept asylum for people from Mexico, right? If the Mexican government has political prisoners, we should absolutely be doing something about that. I think that's completely reasonable. If Guatemala has, has uh, if they are, they're, they're making a claim that they are a political prisoner of Guatemala, why is it that they aren't going through? Did they swim on the ocean to, f to somewhere? Because if that's not what they did, then... Right, unless exactly. So, so and I, I don't. That's a long swim. Is all I'm saying. Country, if you're, if you have chosen to travel through other countries on the way to the United States and have not made an asylum claim within those countries, then we should just straight up discount it. And that was kind of, I believe, that was actually Trump's policy. Was that? I mean, he didn't explicitly say that. I think he put in a um, that was part of Remain in Mexico. Right, if you're you're coming up through here, unless you're well, it was and everyone remains in Mexico that comes up through the Mexico corridor thing. Right, but above and beyond that, yeah, that was another part of it. I I would have just turned around and said, uh, you know, asylum needs to be made at the first country that you have a reasonable uh, a reasonable opportunity to make it in. Like if you are if you're coming up from uh, you know Panama, if you're coming up through Panama, you're coming you know Honduras or Guatemala or Colombia or any one of these other places. And you come up and you pass through three or four countries 
on the way to the United States and you didn't feel that you were safe enough there, you'd need to demonstrate why the Mexican government is out to get you. Sure enough. That's what you need to approve. Right? You need to you you're are you afraid of cartel violence? You need to demonstrate that you are have done something that the cartel actually wants you for and that you just can't move somewhere else in your own country or into a neighboring country with without them coming for you right those are those are like you should have to come with documentation not credible fear claim but actual documentation and the bill did a lot of that stuff it didn't do quite as to my extent but that would be probably the compromise that you have and you just go for our next compromise next time but that's not how conservatives and republicans think for whatever reason no no there's uh, there's no incrementalism then, either yeah the progressives do incrementalism very very well they do a crazy big ask and then all of a sudden they turn around and they go oh well you know you won't let me have this thing that i want so let me go for this other thing that's not anywhere near as difficult for you to grant you'll say yes to their small ask and then they just bide their time before making another big ask. And that's why we get these crazy friggin' progressive ideas. Well, that and, you know, some of them are legitimately just kind of insane, but yeah. Well, that's a, yeah. But, you know, the, the, they do progressive, or they do incremental change all the time. Mm-hmm. They, they do it by bleeding crazy nonsense. I think what's ended up happening is the progressives have lost control of the base of their party. And so now they're no longer making these small incremental changes. They're just demanding the big ask or, or nothing. Which isn't, you know, they're not going to win that. Yeah, that's not viable. Not at all. No. Oh, and here's one that I don't think you've... I don't know if you've heard about this one. The uh, Michael E. Mann versus Free Speech... Uh, I think I saw something about that. It's um, it's getting interesting. We're uh, we're seeing people have to answer questions about that uh, that hockey stick in the um, in the nineteen hundreds to two thousand climate data, mm. and they don't have adequate answers at all. Really. Well, tell me about this because I've I've only seen a couple. So I well, we don't. We're gonna have to wait until most of climate Twitter. That's probably not a bad I, idea. I have I have un, honestly like when it comes to politics, as much as I I have libertarians that come across my feed doing their little libertarian whinging. I have a couple conservatives. Thank God, after Elon Musk came in, all of the MAGA files got fucking booted from my feed because I'm not MAGA, which is. The old Twitter oh, and, thought and I was God forbid, because... God for fucking bid, none of them ended up getting banned. They're just not on your feet anymore. How fucking hard was that? Yep, that's all. And it, it, it's crazy too because that's that's kind of how the, the the that that highlights the progressive view that they have zero idea that there is a gradation in belief systems other than their ideology. It's their ideology and nothing. So they thought that I was hardcore MAGA when that's not the case. I I like, you know, peace. Peace is good. Um, I also, you know, I'm also not even hardcore libertarian. Like, I, I, I am in, in many, many regards, but 
I believe very firmly and walk softly and carry a big stick. So when Trump did his missile strikes, I thought that was a good thing. And you go to the hardcore libertarian and said, like, oh, my God, why did he do the, the missile attack? Well, if you walk softly and carry a big stick and you never, ever use your stick, then you haven't really walked softly and carried the big stick. You just told other people that you had a big stick. You have to actually be willing to use it occasionally. Well, that's... So dropping that's... the Moab was important. The 56 missile strikes, those were important. Turning around and saying, yeah, we're going to fucking blow your shit up, it's scary. When the United States actually uses its weaponry, we're fucking terrifying. Well, early on in his administration, when um, Putin was kind of doing his thing, and this was, um, and I'll say this now, we have no business being in Syria then. We have no business being in Syria now. Sure. But Putin was doing some gesturing and was saying, hey, I don't have any guys here. There are none of my guys here. None of, no Russian forces are stationed here. So Trump struck some cough rebels. And yep. there, there were about 200 rebels that died. Cough rebels. And there were a lot of people upset in Russia about that. A lot of people at the MOD. But, you know, that's that's one of the things, you know, you call the guy out and he's like, OK, you called me out. Fine. All right. Fair enough. Well, and, and that's. Uh, oh, yeah. The Putin interview. That was another thing. That that's the other one that happened. And, you know, what? Yeah. credit to Tucker. He asks some he asked some great questions, some hard ones. Well, what I like, really um, actually liked about it was that they let him speak. Uh, you know, I and, indeed. And, and a a he uh, you get to anybody who's read Dostoevsky understands the Russian mentality, and his whole thirty-minute long meandering, not really getting to the point. That is that is like straight-up Russian literature. They 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 beat about the bush forever in the day, talking about all of the grievances that they have against whatever thing it is that they're aggrieved against. This is this is like Russian bullshit 101. And that, I'm not saying it's it's bullshit. It's just you know he was making a point. He just takes really long winded way to get there, right? He didn't just turn around and get there. But he also told some really just straight to the point. You know the why did you go into Ukraine? Well, there was a CIA coup in the country. Right. Well, okay. That's kind of that's kind of like 2014 my damn coup. Yeah, there it is. That, like, I mean, and, and by the way, like, that's kind of what that's kind of the uh, what I've been saying for a while that that was their their Casas belly. Their Casas belly was that, you know, the CIA went in and overthrew a government which was favorable to the Russians. And to be fair, his whole 30 minute spiel about Russian history uh talks about that right it says hey we had this this territory was fundamentally russian in everything but name and then we turned around and had the americans come in and basically pick out the government of our people and so we thought that was kind of a dick move we decided to do something about it <laughs> like and just I'm not just saying... to be fair to to you know, put forward Craig's position on this because he would if he were here. Is that um, you know there were people there that wanted to be Westernized? Yes, there are. There, there certainly are. were. Absolutely. But that's kind of what Western Ukraine was. Like um, 
There was a reason that there were a select group of uh, uh, oblasts. Is that what they call them in Ukraine? I think they're oblasts. I think so. But there were a select few of those that just didn't want to stay in this westernized new nation for whatever reason, whatever that may be. We've gone over some of the uh, some of the issues that Ukraine's got, you know, corruption, torture, black site labs, uh, all, all the things. But beyond that, you know, there are people that just didn't want anything to do with this. Well, they let Crimea go, but they certainly weren't going to let the oil rich East go. And so for eight years, the Donbass was subjected to relentless shelling and missile strikes, uh, kidnappings, all sorts of things. You know, innocent people died by the score and largely no one cared because, well, these are, these are the Russophiles and you know, who, who cares about them? They're all Russian assets anyway. And then, well, I mean, that's that's an aspect to it. it. You know, that that whole territory was USSR territory at one time. And when you start talking about Putin's perspective, uh, I remember when Putin came in in the early 2000s, back before things went fucking apeshit crazy, right? Hmm. Ooh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice base spot. Right where the beacon is. Um, but back before things went crazy, that was actually one of the things that was openly talked about is that, that one of the, the issues that um, the United States had with Putin uh, was that Putin was ex-KGB and he was a straight-up Soviet fanboy. He was not in agreement. And, he, I mean, you even heard it in this interview. He was not in agreement with the leadership dissolving the Soviet the uh, the Soviet Union, and so uh, back in the day, the the one of the key key points for uh, for the U.S. in terms of U.S. policy and what informed it was that we didn't want somebody who wanted to reunite the Soviet Union and rebuild the Soviet Union. That was a real concern about Putin, and so Putin comes in with his thirty minute spiel on the history of of Ukraine. And that's essentially the argument that he's making. He's saying that he has a legitimate right to the territory in Ukraine. And that's not an unfair description. No, and and like we he he was very clear about what caused his his strike. Uh, yeah, I think the denazification thing was a little bit of a blah, right. I don't. I don't think that's a a motivator. But then again, you know, the Russians lost a lot of people to the Nazis. Like well, historically speaking, to to put a little bit of context on that, or at least maybe some spin, shall we say, is that it's a good seller, kind of like um, let's just say Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, for instance. It, it is, but in this it, it case, is. you know. We actually found them. Well, there, Ruskies. There did. was. There are a lot of dead Ruskies. There are. There a are. Lot of dead so, Ruskies. so you like, uh, like instead of the case where we got to the places where they were supposed to be all these uh, yellow cake uranium and all these chemical yeah, and biological yeah. things, they're just kind of weren't. There are actual bodies. Yeah, there's there's there bodies are, and there's, there's videos, an bad generation. ones. Yeah. 
there's like the Russian mentality was to send wave after wave of men essentially to die. They didn't have enough rifles to fund their war effort, but they had enough bodies. And so your comrade was supposed to charge forward uh, and then. Yeah, your comrade has the gun and a full load of ammunition and you have an extra uh, an extra load of ammunition that you would take off of his body. You pick up his fucking gun. And then you continue the march, and the guy behind you, well, he's going to pick up after uh, after you do. Actually, I think it was mostly just pairs, but nonetheless, it was pairs. It, it's still like... And we're not talking like battle is, buddy. We're talking the guy that picks up your rifle, because he wasn't and, assigned and I'm, one. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that, like... There can be – we can turn around and we can say, oh, we hate the Nazis, right? Uh, and, and the left sits there and uses that term and abuses it. So we kind of have this native resistance to it. But it was a very different – like there's a lot of people who lost brothers and fathers and, 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 and you know husbands in that war. And those people raised the next generation well, to, with to, – To quote a great man, I, I should say they're uh... – there were there are good people on both sides. Well, I I suppose you can quote such a man. I mean, that's not something that ever got said, but you know, for whatever, why not? Ah, uh, sigh. But yeah, I like I I I think that that's one of the things is we they may I'm not saying that I think it was a bullshit argument. I I do. That's my personal opinion. Sure. But to be fair to the Russians. Their World War II experience was very different than ours. Their World Absolutely. War II perspective is very different than ours. Their perspective of Nazis is different than ours. We we looked at Nazis as a humanitarian crisis, right? Mm, not really at the time, but yeah. Not at the later, time, later after the on, fact. after the fact, yes. Our, at the time, it was just informed. Our currently informed pe- uh, perspective is that it is a humanitarian crisis. That was that's what we take away from, uh, you know, Germany and World War Two. Yeah, sure. That's that's the crisis. the narrative, as it were. Right. The uh, the popular the popular narrative, shall we say? Yes. Uh, for the Russians, it was a bunch of people that legitimately wanted to kill them all. And wiped them from the face of the earth. So, so they have a different. To be fair to them, I'm not saying it's a good argument in my opinion, but my well, shall, shall we use a modern? Uh, shall we use a modern aphorism and say it is their lived experience? It, it is their lived experience, yes. Huh. But yeah, I mean, and and to be fair, that that does have a great bearing on. The way that you uh, and, and it's it's gonna be different than our perspective. Sure, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that that you know these guys really had it going on. That's that's not my argument. Uh, I'm not saying that Putin was being honest about everything, but we do have a very Western perspective on the events of World War II and the Nazis and whatnot, and. Uh, they lost a lot more people than than we did. They lost a lot more people than we did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That is absolutely true. 
Uh, I don't think his – so he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, he asked whether he could join NATO. I think that was actually probably a true statement. No, I that's that, that has – we've actually discussed that before on the show. I don't know if you've been around for that, but that, that has come up numerous times, uh, not not merely here but in other you know, conversations elsewhere. But, yeah, they were early on in um, – in his basically uh, reign of the Russian Federation, after things were finally starting to coalesce again, after that really, yep. really dark time after the fall of the Soviet Union, that that was a very real desire. Like, yep. well, why don't why don't we join NATO? We have a lot to offer. And Bill Clinton was like, eh, we don't we don't really see it at this time. Yep, and that uh, like. You know when when. Uh, but you know what Bill Clinton did when, see at the time? He Tucker, did Tucker see. He well. It sounds like you're a bit bitter about that. That's a pretty bold fucking thing to say. It oh, is. That's, that's pretty bold. To sit there and call the president of Russia out and say, "Hey, you're bitter that you didn't get to join our club." <laughs> well, not only that, you know, also to uh, ask for the release of uh, an American journalist. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty bold. And for uh, Putin to basically throw down the same argument that we're using again, what that we're that our government that our man, I don't Trump did it too, although not as bad, but that our current government is using to uh, justify what's happening with Julian Assange. And you know, well, okay, f- fuck you, but fair well, enough. I mean, it, it's it's tough, right? Like I will say that so so the Beanie Man said that Putin left, basically left money on the table. He could have handed him over to Tucker Carlson and earned himself quite the cred. Like, quite the cred. He mm-hmm. would have simultaneously humiliated uh, he, he humiliated Biden and Biden's policy wonks who are all advising this crazy let's, let's get Russia campaign strategy. Uh, he would have done that, and he would have also made the talking point, Russia isn't basically a bloodthirsty fucking nation, because they handed over a journalist for free. Yeah, that is a, that is a powerful move that, you know, was not utilized. It, it was not utilized. So so he made, I think he made, it is a reasonable tactical error, but at the same time, it's, it's not... It's, it's not, not the not greatest thing. It's not the greatest I, error anybody's ever made. No. Well, I mean... It, the question is is so that would be a that would be a social standings and appearances error that's true mm-hmm. but yeah now would he lose face with some of that. his people absolutely so you know there's there's the weight to be had with that and you know we can't say what they think but i mean if he turned around and he handed us a journalist and got nothing for it and we told him to go pound sand like you know what i mean like i, I I get it. I get it. He's turned around and said, hey, we, we have somebody else we want released in exchange for that. And that's basically what he said uh, publicly there. There's, I don't know who there's, he's specifically referencing, but there's obviously somebody he wants out of prison in exchange for the journalist. And so far, uh, you know, Biden has clearly not been willing to grant it. But, you know, so be it. So that was... That was that was a very well done interview. I'm glad they let him speak. You can tell which parts of what he's saying are bullshit. He's absolutely doing traditional old world moves of you don't speak, I'm speaking, blah 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 when Tucker tried to ask direct questions. And that's old world power plays. So it's not like 
it's very Russian. Blah blah blah. He definitely is. is bitter about the way the West has treated him. Now, to be fair, to be fair, though his answers oft times were long-winded, he generally did get back around to the point for all his bluster and I, answer yeah, most of the questions. I mean, to to be really fair to Putin, the only thing that he was really long-winded on, truly long-winded on was the Ukrainian war question. And that was, you know, he was making the case for it's historically Russian territory. And then the United States came in and made a coup. And I, I, to be fair to him, I don't think it's an unreasonable point, right? Like, because he knows that he's reaching a Western audience that isn't normally going to hear the Russian perspective on things. So arguing that it's really a Russian territory in the United States, to make it to make the coup aspect significant, you'd need to prove or demonstrate that it was really a Russian territory that got fucked with. You know? Hmm. Yeah. No, that's so. absolutely true. But so I think uh, depending I on how you how you take the arguments, you know, you, you know, I guess depending on what credence you lend to his arguments is how much you want to agree or disagree on whether those are truly the kingdom of Rus or you know what have you, Kievan Rus or whatever. But also his answers on the Nord Stream uh, pipeline, you know, being straightforward I mean... and a little cheeky even. <laughs> Great stuff. That was that was funny. That was funny shit. Like, like we all know that that's what happened, and he was just fucking cheeky about it. He's like, "Why would I blow up my own pipeline? Like, what the fuck?" Yeah. Uh... And you know, to have that come out, also to have that come out, not not more than a week after uh, Sweden just decided to close their Nord Stream investigation without any answers. You know, you'd think they'd want an answer to something like that. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. I saw something in uh, in Science Today that was talking about how, hey, maybe scientists kind of fucked up with the whole... Pretty far away. Oh, no, it's not. I see the Takatos. Oh, what, with uh, the whole... Maybe you all need to listen to science because it's the greatest God ever thing. No, no, no. They, they, the argument they were making is that uh, scientists, because of the, the way they handled themselves and conducted their affairs during the COVID uh, fiasco, uh, they essentially have undermined science as a whole. Uh, and, you know, they, 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 they the did CDC certainly has. Thing. Their argument was essentially that, that scientists have been making the the uh, we're almighty type arguments, and they really aren't. They got it wrong. They were openly lying about things. So, you know that that was that was an interesting one. I think that we're we're gonna see some some. It looks like the. Uh, it looks like the wheel's turning. Fair, fair enough. 
Fair enough. Oh, also, uh, as of recording, there was a game today where uh, the Chiefs won. If you didn't know, now you do. And yep. that's that's largely my extent of caring about that. Apparently, uh, apparently there were famous people there or something, and somebody didn't do the thing that everybody thought they would do. So maybe the psyop was the, the psyop. Yeah, 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 all that dumb bullshit. So that anyway, so that the psyop was the psyop and is the psyop. Long and short, what the people pushing this dumb bullshit are trying to do is another fucking Q thing. They want to make all these people piss off enough people so that they hate them. In this case, those people are directed directly at Taylor and, uh, you know, to try and get her to probably say, you got to stand up against these Q-tards. So, well, I, I so think... again, the PSYOP is the PSYOP. Just ignore this shit and it'll go away. I don't know. I, you know, it, it's it's really, really strange to me how um, how kind of fanatical some of the right gets to be sometimes about, like, stupid nonsense. You know? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you make a fair point. I don't know how much of it is um, legitimate. I know, if, I know that some is. I just... I'd like to know the proportions legitimately because there's some wild shit that people say, like some absolutely wild shit. And it's like, okay, how much of that is you just being a 4chan poster? And how much of that is, you know, you actually being a a 4chan devotee and how much of that is, you know, you're, you're just some boomer waffen or whatever. I mean, these are legitimate questions. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, I, so, so the hard part is that some of the shit that people are doing makes so little sense that you have to think that there's conspiracy behind it, because that would be the only thing that makes sense is that you had some ulterior motive other than, you know, being a functional human being. But just because that's your only explanation doesn't mean it's the only explanation. And I think that's what people miss. Mm. Not unfair. Not unfair. Something else that people uh, seem to miss, and I, I'll, I've actually brought this one up before in the past too, so it bears repeating, as the, um, the timing of things is pretty adequate. Uh, that would be uh, there's a man by the name of Gaddafi, whom uh, whom we supplied weapons and uh, training, and then something happened to him. And then there's another fella. Uh, some call him Bill Osman. I, I don't know the accuracy of that, but uh, Osama uh, bin Laden, that fella. I don't know if he was ever a special agent, Bill Osman, but there's a there's an interesting picture of a, a guy by that name. But whatever. Whatever. Those are rabbit holes we needn't dig into. But either way, uh, he was provided with training and weapons, and then a thing happened to him. And there's a, there's another fella. Probably probably heard of him. Uh, an Iraqi guy, uh, Saddam. You know, we uh, provided him with weapons and training. And, well, and a thing happened to him in his country. 
Well, no. You know, like, that's the thing is, is a lot of times the U.S. policy is stuff that is, hey, what provides us a benefit or a seeming benefit in the moment? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you, that, there it is. It's like, what benefits us in the moment? And does it, and honestly, does it even really? Because, let's be honest, deposing the Shah of Iran was one of the most heinous acts that America has done in the last century. Well, the, the issue that you run into is that we turn around and we say, hey, these people aren't favorable to the United States. And groups like the CIA and the NSA and whatnot, they think... They, they have this, this uh, it's actually a specific fallacy, I can't remember which one it is, but they believe that they have enough control over the situation, and that, it, that if it was just for this one, and the left thinks this way all the time, if it was just for this one guy gone, then really everybody would on our side, and everything would go swimmingly for we us. Ju- yeah, we just need to, we just, we just need, need to Minecraft one the one dude, and everything yeah. will be fine. And and the problem is that that when you start talking about these leaders that are, I I don't understand why the U.S. is in opposition to other countries doing their own thing. Yeah, okay. Sometimes it might not be directly great and stuff for our goals for sure. But if every country minds its own business for the most part and then comes in after the fact and tries to figure out a point of cooperation, we can usually figure that shit out. So, so we start deposing leaders, and we haven't fixed the underlying problem because the, the leader is only leading the populace that's underneath them. So we'd have to prove that the majority... Well, the thing is, a lot of times... A significant majority... Well, a lot of these times, is too, is what, what we're doing is creating a power vacuum. And, well, a power vacuum doesn't really select for the best representatives of power, shall we say. A power vacuum selects for the most immediate and uh, effective sources of power. Hmm. Now, whether that's efficient or kind or any other thing is entirely tertiary to the subject of whether that power is immediately available. And that's yep. what's, that is where things are decided in a power vacuum. And that's... This uh, this American adventurism has had a disastrous cost. It is, especially it has. especially in modern days, as I, we are really like, seeing our, our our hens come home to roost. I think it would have been far more effective as a U.S. policy for us to simply choose to. Buy, use our economic power, the, the the joy of capitalism, if you will, to buy these places the fuck out when they collapse. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I can recommend to any listener to uh, check out the Diary of an Economic Hitman. Because it's, uh, well, they're all multifaceted attacks. And that's just one of any number of ways because you know it's uh it's it's not just about bullets and uh things that go boom or uh or shall we shall we quote that uh that one fellow that was 
there with Carrie Lake that day saying, you know, you might go out to your car and turn it on one day and it goes boom. So, you know. You know. I mean, there's there there's Jeff definitely more than one way to 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 deal with that problem. Most certainly. Most certainly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the uh, here's the other one that's actually kind of just come out. Uh, this one, uh, let me see here. When did this drop? Uh, this would have been on the tenth. And what we found, as, as everybody knows, there's AI monitors on this, that, and the other. Any sort of algorithm that's doing all these things across Slack, Teams, Zoom, Discord, whatever. You know, digging for data. Uh, X, Facebook, what have you. I mean. There's data crawlers everywhere. But out of uh, CNBC, we've got that Walmart, Delta, Chevron, and Starbucks are using these tools to monitor their employee messages. And as we can already tell you just out the gate with Walmart and Starbucks, Walmart specifically has a long and storied history of opposition to unions, which I myself, I don't like unions. But I also don't like a corporation cracking down on their people saying that you cannot form one. So, you know, yeah, they can fire him should they uh, get such a thing started, and I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But, you know, this is where this is where normally we would have a, a uh, non-accommodating government come in and, you know, use their use what controls they have to break up a company, fine a company, whatever might need to be done to uh, assuage these issues. But, well, we quite obviously don't have such a government. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's one of those things. So, you can imagine what they're doing here. Uh, let me see here if we've got, if we've got any like noteworthy points on here other i mean it's it's going to be the kind of things we've talked about previously it's just that we've got um what shall we say uh conf- confirmation of the kind of things we've talked about in the abstract in prior here basically uh something i could recommend uh, you personally even to take a look at it's an older documentary probably like 15 years but the high cost of low prices and it's a very it's a very thoughtful look at Walmart, adversarial to be sure, but nonetheless a very thoughtful dig into uh, Walmart and their their hiring business practices and just kind of how a thing like that can function in the way that it does. Because at the end I of the day, I've seen well, didn't Penn and Teller's bullshit do something about that? They've touched on some of the topics. I, yeah, actually, they have touched on some of the topics that are in there, whereas the, the high cost of low prices is, you know, directly, I think, oh, yeah, Penn and Teller did a bullshit on unions, didn't they? Uh, I thought that they did a bullshit on Walmart itself. They might have. Well, it it would be that, but a, but like a deeper dive, and not just um, many of the aspects. Like, uh, one of the interesting things from that is... I'm sure you're aware, Walmarts have for a long time been one of the most surveilled stores in America. And they have, um, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of them will have the uh, the trees outside of uh, 
of surveillance and have for some, quite some while. And for the longest time, that was really not anything to do with customers or customer safety, but more, again, of this. They they had people that watched those to make sure that their employees weren't uh, spending too much time together when they were, say, on their breaks or whatever, or, you know, before or after work. And they were quite legitimately using this to union bust, which mm. I don't support that. Again, I don't like unions, don't really support them, but also, you know, I don't like this corporate overreach either. It's like this is stretching into the areas of monopolistic controls. And, you know, that's to me, that's a bridge too far. Hmm. But yeah, that's um it's a it's a quality documentary. It, I mean, it's going to be older and not quite as not quite as up to date with what's happening now, but nonetheless, Worth looking into. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a been a little while since I think that that came out. I oh. do remember. I don't think I watched it, but you know I what? I mean, it out. it would only take me just a moment. So let me just find out the high cost of low prices. Two thousand five. Goodness, nineteen years. Wild. Almost two decades since that came out, and it is available. On, oh, excellent. Okay. I will, I'll go ahead and just, uh, oh, okay, cool. The, uh, the production company actually put it up online for free. So I'll include a link to that for everyone to, uh, watch in the show links below. So, you know, check that out at your leisure and I'll put that in the show links too, in case, uh, I'll put it in staff chat. I mean, anybody that's listening can find it in the find it in the stuff below since we're, you know, broadcasting live and whatever. But, yeah. It's, uh, goodness, almost 20 years. That's wild. Hmm. Alright, yeah. But, that will be included for you to check out below. And, I guess beyond that, let me close this one out. And go to some of the other stories, because there's, there's really, there's been some interesting fallout from this, uh, from the Tucker interview. Like, uh, there's really? talk, well, there's talks of, uh, potentially there being some sort of travel sanctions on him from, um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But we have, uh, we have a lot of big names in the European Union, and European Union adaptation that are basically saying these same kind of things. One noteworthy one is that uh, Boris Johnson said that uh, Tucker Carlson is a traitor for this interview. And, well, he's, he's got a lot of room to talk. He's, he's got a lot of room to talk. And that's, uh, there's not really much more to report on than that because it's kind of a common theme. Mostly these people are really upset that, uh, that a journalist was doing journalism. I mean, if and I encourage every, I there will be a link. It'll be the first one below for anyone that's watching. That'll uh, that'll be linked directly to it on X because I know on Twitter it's not going anywhere. So that would be the place. Well, you can also go to TuckerCarlson.com, but you know, 
barring a DDoS or something weird, it's probably not going anywhere on X because let's see. Let's just check it right this second. We are sitting at, as of 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're four days out from release. 194.9 million views just on Twitter. So that is pretty substantial. Hmm. Uh, of course, it's uh, there is some reporting that apparently it has been uh, the White House, as a matter of fact, made calls to Facebook and uh, and or Meta to repress this to some degree. I can't say I'm really surprised by that because it does run counter to basically all of the uh, all of the Western narrative on what's going on here. Is he a little long-winded? Is he a little... Um, is he exceedingly Russian in, uh, in his delivery? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But he makes a lot of very good points. And we contrast this too with um, oh, shit just the day before there was a um, there was a demonstration in Kiev not a large one mind you but a demonstration nonetheless for um, for the ouster of uh, Zeluzhny who was um, one of the um, pro-peace uh, leaders basically he was the uh, head of the um, the Ukrainian Armed Forces the commander-in-chief of the uh, Ukrainian Armed Forces he was dismissed on the 8th of February this year, and he was one of the ones that's kind of thinking that maybe sending two whole generations of men and now another generation of women to die on the front lines for fucking nothing is maybe a bad idea. And so, you know, obviously, that's uh, that's not going to fly. So I was uh I decided I was gonna go look further into the Michael Mann free speech case. It looks like he won. Oh, he's won. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he won a million dollar judgment against Mark Stein. Oh. So it's done. For for now. Oh, but I didn't fair see enough, anything but... about like where they, they they he couldn't produce his documents or anything like that. Now, granted, obviously, more people are more concerned about the million dollars than. But, yeah, if you got a link to that, I'd I'd like to read up more on it. Michael Mann, I'm not a huge fan of Michael Mann. There are climatologists. Like, climatology, from my perspective, when we start talking about climate change, yes, I am a skeptic. But at the same time, some of these people are doing their best with really shitty data. Oh, yeah, garbage data. from, from From an engineering standpoint... If you have garbage data, you have garbage data. And yeah, garbage in, garbage out. Well, exactly. So, like, I don't, I don't fault the scientists for working with garbage data because that's all they have, right? I mean, I you can them fault from, them for not asking more questions. Certainly, I can fault them for asking more, not asking more questions, and I can fault them for claiming a uh, a level of certainty which isn't present on the current data that they have. But I don't fault them for working with with bad data. Like, if if they're if you turn around and you believe that industrialization was causing the entire world and ecosystem to collapse, and you had really just shitty data, but it confirmed your hypothesis in some way because it was shitty data and could be used either way, um, 
you know, should you, should you as an individual, um, should you turn around and start being a chicken little? Should you claim that the the world is falling apart, or should you be like throwing the caveats? And the the reality is that a lot of these scientists are not throwing in caveats, and that's where they fall apart. Michael Mann, however, is is uniquely special. Um, he's kind of he's the narcissist in a weird way like he basically sits there and praises people who agree with him and then calls everybody else an idiot which is really funny um you know you, you turn around and 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 you'll watch his stuff he's he's very emotional he's he's definitely not an, an nt type uh he is is very much an sf type okay i found an article from reason so that'll probably be a fairly a fairly unbiased source yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all. If if they have something against his thing, jury found I, no you know, real I, damage, but gave a sizable punitive award that could be challenged on appeal. Again, the the million. Yeah, that's that's about what I was seeing. They they he got a dollar of damages. Yeah, one against each defendant, and then, and then a million against Stein and a thousand against Simberg. Yeah, I'm much more interested in what you know they couldn't produce or could produce. Hmm. Not a whole lot of data here, but but yeah, I'll I'll include that reason article because that's reason has their own baggage, but you know I I trust them a lot they more. They used than... to be better. They did. They did. They used to be better. I did see uh, th there is a a rumor, and I hope it's true that uh, uh, RFK Jr. may run on the Libertarian ticket. There are some rumblings of that, but then some libertarian representatives have, like, some of the higher-ups have basically said that's not really feasible because he's just kind of incompatible in kind of the same way that it's like, uh, maybe Donald Trump, but not really because it's just too great of an incompatibility. Well, see, this is this is what pisses me off about the LP. The LP gets up its own ass that it thinks like it's basically a kegger, right? They they uh, it's a kegger and they haven't really like gotten their shit together, and it's really fucking annoying. Um, but like they they try to party with the big dogs, and yet they have none of the ability to party like the big dogs. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and so, it, it's not the first time that they have been in a situation where they have had an opportunity to have a political candidate who is, uh, you know, will a bigger draw than they are. Uh, they there was back in two thousand and eight, I think it was. They uh, there was some debate amongst the LP as to whether or not they would run Rand, Ron Paul himself. And uh, there was some initial talks that he would be running, and then they decided to do some sort of fucking stupid nonsense, and it was awful. Um, and I think we got Bill Barr that year. Huh. That was our candidate, instead of Ron Paul. And I, I think they need to like come out of their own ass a little bit and maybe sit there and say, yep, you know what? I know that uh, 
RFK Jr. is not our demographic, right? He's not our, our choice demographic. But he's close enough, and he'd be a huge draw, and he'd bring the party above the 5% they need to get federal funding in every other future election. So, fuck it. Why not? Let's let's play ball. Well, from, but they from what I can see... They aren't purity spiraling as bad as they have. So, bless them, they're taking steps in the right direction. How are they not purity spiraling as bad as they have? Well, they have a candidate that's not garbage and actually has some protectionist ideals as opposed to raw, pure libertarianism of, you know, we've got to... He, well, he supported the guy that got booed for saying that we would not sell heroin to kids. So, you know. Hmm. You know, he's he's on that uh, we actually wouldn't want to have child slaves everywhere train. So he's he's not uh, he's not that raw, uh, real hard edge libertarian type. Which is probably safer I, I, in the in the world of today, let's be real. Well, I mean, like, you know, we could have probably a hard L libertarian type, but the problem is the libertarian uh, libertarian party spans between the ANCAPs to the conservatives. Kind of uh, does. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that. We span between the ANCAPs and the progressives. That's our coverage in terms of, of who could be reasonably Well, right people. progressives. Uh, you know, I, I would say progressive would be the far line as to where it is. Like, Social Democrats, I think that that's there. Uh, you know, it, it's a pretty big ideology. The The problem is that the ANCAPs tend to run things. And the ANCAPs are fucking crazy. They are legitimately terrifying people. They're like, yeah, we don't need no police. Be, and you're like, all right, well, why wouldn't you want to have courts and all the other stuff? Because if I have enough money, I should be able to buy people off. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, that's that's the whole. Listen, I've <laughs> got the, I've got this heroin, and I live near a school, so I don't I don't see the problem. Like I'm yep. just I am just a businessman. Uh, they are. Uh, yeah. They, that is. That is an unfortunate reality of the Libertarian Party is that you have these people that are just like, wait, hold on. And they all get butthurt about roads, but like, yeah, you have to understand sometimes when your ideology falls flat. You, you, you say, hey, if that's the old, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll see your, your public roads and name me one other good thing besides that. But instead of doing that, they're like, oh, you just love your fucking roads. You're like, yeah. Yeah, most most people uh, yeah. do like roads. Matter that's, of fact, I like being of... able to to get to my job and back and do my right. job. Like I, I kind of like this neutral territory space that makes my property more right. valuable because people can access it. Yeah, I am annoyed that my money is going to Ukraine and Israel, but nonetheless, I mean, it is kind of nice for those few things that they do keep some of it here on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would as a matter of fact, I'd like it if all of that money stayed here. I, I would not uh, I mean I would not I would take the trade off of all of that money staying here for them to just kind of keep taking the same amount if they would keep it all here. 
Right. Like that like, would that would you know, suck. I'm, I'm a, if somebody came in and said, "Hey, we're gonna fix the roads," I'd be like, "Okay, that's a reasonable campaign policy position." If somebody wants it certainly beats out. Let's go bomb Ukraine. Like yeah, certainly beats that policy position. Yeah, superior. You could definitely say little little bit there. Yeah, the little things, absolutely. Little bit. Yeah. Oh, speaking of speaking of little things, also an update on uh, the the Nimrata Haley campaign. Um, she was recently at the primary in uh, in uh, what was that? Nevada, the Republican uh, primary, which they've decided to go to a caucus system because uh, a thing is happening. Cough. But uh, anyway, uh, despite this, uh, Nikki Haley found herself. Um, unable to pass the 60% margin oh, of the right. most popular candidate. That candidate, of course, that's... being nope. none of these candidates. Actually, yeah. literally, none of these candidates was the circle you would fill in. Uh, that one got about 60%. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, this was n- that they didn't have Trump on this ballot? Oh, not at all, no. Yeah. And he, he did cruise to easy victory in the actual caucus the following day. But, yeah. Just funny yeah. stuff. Funny, funny it stuff. It is. It's funny fucking shit. Like funny, you, uh, funny shit. You lost to none of the above. Like, imagine, Bless imagine, your having, heart. To, imagine having to go home after that and convince the donors. Like... I mean, I, I, that's right up there with uh, saying that you talked to, you know, the ghost of a, a French leader just the other day or that, you know, uh, yes. Yes. you know, the uh, those uh, Egyptian Mexicans, you know, and, and their treatment of the Palestinians just can't stand. Oh, you know, with uh, with El, uh, Al Sisi. Yeah. That was that was funny. I I was I was chuckling a little bit. Yeah, it's uh yeah, well, we do indeed live in funny times. Funny times for sure. Funny and interesting times. Yes, yes indeed we do. So as uh there's there's a shitload more we could cover. Well, we're not really running at full strength, and as I said, we're not trying to do like a full power show. We're just uh, uh, trying yes. to check back in with you and everything. But we got a we got a fun one here. There's a thing that's going on with um, with the internet, a a four chan mega troll, or whatever the whatever the fuck. Anyway, it is um, dignify or D I G N I F A I. And uh, what they're doing is they're basically taking these e-thoughts and they're uh, taking off their tattoos and putting them in uh, respectable clothing. And, gosh, there's a lot of people really upset. Like, uh, for instance, Rolling Stone. The tagline on the article, 4chan shuds used AI to clothe her. She fought back. I, I really I don't want to give them money, but I really want to read that article. Well, I have a solution for you, sir. That solution, I will, uh, hold on, let me just run this through archive.is. 
because that's what you do. Oh, somebody's already done the trouble. So, you know what? I could include the link to the Rolling Stone article, but I'm not going to. I'm going to include that wonderful archive.is link for all of you good listeners. It'll be linked below, so just click on that one and we'll read away to your heart's content knowing that uh, the Rolling Stone is not receiving any of your filthy lucre. Uh, but, yeah, so. Quality Absolutely stuff. worth reading. But, yeah, there you go. Fun times. Fun, fun times. And um, there's a they've gone a little deeper. What they've done is, uh, this one is also hilarious. They've taken uh, white women with mixed race children and uh, unmixed race them. And boy, uh, mixed race them? Yes. What? Oh, like uh, whiten the uh, mulatto kids and that sort of thing. And that's, I haven't seen a lot of evidence, but the few I've seen here and there, there, people are either laughing or screaming. And I'll I say mean, it's hilarious. It's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird choice to go after. I'm not gonna lie. With AI, eh. I, I think like, it, I think it's funny. Uh, there are people that think it's, it's like uh, racially just... pure and uh, awesome, which okay, fair enough argument. I personally, eh, I'm I'm good enough on it's funny. And in other It's Funny things, we've got a ruling out of Hawaii. Uh, This one, uh, about the same time, actually. Uh, This one's from February the 8th. What happened there is they've they've had an ongoing court court case there where uh, a fella... I I can't remember the exact situation, but... Basically, what they're doing is they're defying Bruin. They're not giving people really any reasonable recourse to own and bear a firearm. And, well, can't fly in a post-Bruin world. So what they've done is uh, they have quoted in legal documentation. They have quoted the wire as though it were in any way authoritative in legal matters. And by the wire, I don't mean some sort of journal or legal publication. No, I mean the fucking show. Literally. What? Literally. From the text. As the world turns, I am reading from the text of the decision now. As the world turns, it makes no sense for contemporary society to pledge allegiance to the founding era's culture, realities, laws, and understanding of the Constitution. Quote, the thing about the old days, they the old days. End quote. The Wire, Homeroom, HBO television broadcast September 24th, 2006, season 4, episode and I just quoted a legal response to Bruin essentially well I mean 
Wow. Wow. It doesn't suit the spirit of Aloha. Again, quoting from the legal document. I mean, I I understand their perspective. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and they're entitled they to their can't just throw out laws that you don't like, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's you, like, like the Constitution isn't really in the the Aloha spirit, man. Well, that's that's too fucking bad, man. So uh, this this actually came from the Hawaii Supreme Court. So this will obviously make its way on up to SCOTUS and. I mean, I don't see. I this understand. I understand the survive. argument for a living constitution. Um, I do. Know, do. I don't agree with it, but I do understand I, I the argument made. It, yeah. Like I, I do understand the argument, right? I, I do think there are certain things that, uh, you know, we have not properly dealt with that the founding fathers could not have foreseen. I don't think that that has to do with firearms because they had weapons and we've had weapons. Weapons have been part of human culture development for years. And it's always, you have a rock, the other guy's got a rock. And, and that's kind of how peace is kept because nobody wants to bust out their rocks. Yeah, right? kinda. Or, or hyper-advanced rocks that do lots and lots of damage. Or, so, you know, so just always... or a thing that causes a lot of pressure on a very specific kind of rock and then really bad things happen. Any of that stuff, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't. the 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 argument is fundamentally irrelevant uh, for for like the the right to keep and bear arms. It is irrelevant to the society at hand of the past. All that is relevant is that you have the ability to challenge the government that you live in, right? It it keeps everybody honest, uh, and you have the right to protect yourself and all of those other things. I understand people arguing that the Constitution doesn't account for certain technological advances. I don't think that's nuclear weapons. I don't think that... I understand that that is wildly beyond what the Founding Fathers would have possibly imagined. But but then again, so was every person on Earth having access to the Akashic Record and the ability to talk to anyone on the face of the Earth at any time. Right, I do think I do think that if you talk about like technology that they weren't aware of, uh, and in like free speech and stuff like that, how we handle social media, instantaneous logistics, instantaneous communication, that's that is is maybe a little bit, and and not just instantaneous communication, but the perpetual instantaneous communication. I don't think we've dealt with that appropriately. Uh, per- and 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 I don't think that was anticipated. That doesn't mean, or even just the evolution of science in general, right? That wasn't really anticipated either. How do we handle? How do you handle bad actors in an information market? You, like that's that's something that they would. That, that's not even conceptually addressed in the Constitution. Free speech is the way to do it, and the answer is because. Everybody's lied forever, but the uh, that the, the you know the the fact that you have people who get depressed because their Instagram's not as cute as this other person's Instagram. Well, that's that's a different like level of problem, man. Almost oh, certainly. That's I mean, a, that's a that's whole a that's that a whole another dragon. It's a whole another dragon. Like they they that would be outside their their comprehension. 
So maybe we need to innovate against social media a little bit, and maybe we, that's some we, we can argue constitutional protections have limitations there. But then again, you can just do that by sitting there and redefining the adult. And that once you get to a certain age, you can have access to social media, and if you're below that age, you can't. Right now, all of a sudden, you've you've protected everything. But I, I just, I understand the idea that this weapon is uniquely powerful, but weapons have perpetually been evolving. To turn around and say there's a certain threshold at which only the government should have weapons and you shouldn't, I don't think that that will ever be part of. The that's not a reasonable. That's not a reasonable point to make. Basically, if right. you, if you're trying to build any of this around any of the any of the founding thought and uh, what we might call dogma of the origins of the United States. Right. So it's, it's, I get it. I understand the logic of it, but the reality is that that's not like the, the, the things that have evolved outside of what they would have comprehended. And maybe our constitution's a little weak on is going to be things like instantaneous communication. It's going to be things like, portable electronics that are in your hand perpetually broadcasting messages to your face that stuff they didn't they that's not even like now to be fair we did have some things that were kind of in place that protected us for a time on that you know for a while the media was held to uh, well not the media the government wasn't allowed to directly intervene in the media's actions so we weren't legally allowed to be propagandized did it happen of course but was it as it is now? Certainly not. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's that, that would be things, right? Like the government can't step in. And, you know, we need perhaps, you know, the restoration of, of some of these protections, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean there are but, things but that the like, government is good for. There however, are. However few they might be. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, but uh, just as a by the by on the Tucker thing, uh, apparently there there is more coming from that trip, and he spoke with Edward Snowden. I don't know if there was or was not an interview. Apparently, uh, whatever occurred there, uh, he might be working on a book with uh, Edward Snowden, and he did have a proper sit-down interview with Tara Reid. For those unfamiliar, Tara Reid is the woman that alleges that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her, I believe, in the late 80s or early 90s. And she has felt that it was wise and safe, safer, in fact, to be in Moscow than it would be to be anywhere else in the world as an American citizen having made that allegation. And you can attach to that whatever weight you will, but, you know, she didn't feel safe here, especially with Biden being the president and the current paradigm being such that it is. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what comes from that. Yes, uh, yes it is. I, I did see that. Holy shit. I just had, like, one thing I was working on, and then Anubis came by, just a single Anubis, and it instantly... Bam, done. 
Okay, I'm gonna have to get some more some of those guys. Oh yeah, the oh my god, it's amazing. The uh, the other like kind of little but neat thing is uh, the powered devs. They've done so well that uh, they need people. Like um, the game has gotten so big and such a draw that they have massively outgrown their britches, which that's awesome. Congratulations, guys. So Pocket Pair is uh, looking for engineers, designers, people to run their servers. Basically, they need to fill up a whole organization. I uh, I legitimately hope that they're smart in their hiring and uh, don't get too big for their britches. It's very, very easy to do, especially when you've got something that's such a hot property in uh, kind of the attention climate that we uh, that we live in. So as long as they're wise and they kind of keep that plucky upstart attitude, I think they're going to do okay. So, hey, if uh, you know any Japanese and you're interested, uh, go and hit up Pocket Pair here. They're looking for talent. I, I sh- will actually be reaching out to offer my uh, my vocal talent services because, well, I'm let, let's be real. Nintendo is not going to be reaching out to me, so uh, fuck it. Might as well reach out to somebody. Well, there you go. I mean, who knows? Likely as not, nothing comes of it at all. But you don't know unless you try. It's tough trying to figure out what team I want. I've got my beacon, which I'm going to fly with. Mm-hmm. And eventually I'll be breeding, because the Anubis also, not only is Anubis useful as a as a minion, it's also very good to have as a breeding stock, because they, like, breed most of the higher level stuff. Hmm. But I've got my beacon, which is electric, my Penking, which is water and ice, my Relaxosaurus Lux, which is dragon and electric, and it's just fucking amazing. Like, its stats are just fucking amazing. It, it's uh, It's got, like, 70, 75, and 80 for its attacks. It's 402 attacks at level 30. Strong. My Bronchera Aqua has a 95 attack, an 80 attack, and a 65. But I really kind of want to throw my Anubis in here. It's not so good. There, you know, it's a different type. I would normally have a fire type, but I guess when I get Phalaris, then I can drop Beacon. He doesn't have great attacks. Yeah, I've got a Gary, uh, Elphidran, I think is the name of one, that I uh, carry around. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. Been carrying around a uh, Bushi as well. Pretty uh, pretty handy one to have. Especially as a backup if... Uh, uh, Bushis are fantastic. They are... He can fight. He can fight oh, for sure. I, it's, I've been running around on my dire howl for so long, and I just decided, you know what, I'll just go straight to the beacon. And it is... Yeah. So, as we are uh, kind of drawing to a bit of a close here, we've got another... <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> yeah, of course, right near the end, I'll... <laughs> cough half my lung out. Obviously. What better time to do it than them? Have you made it this far? Thanks, you. Um, uh, do please share the show with everyone. I don't cough my lungs out near the end every time. Only uh, only occasionally. 
So anyway, yeah, um, Michael Rappaport, Michael Pig Dick Trump Rappaport, who has uh, not had one good thing to say about the man since 2016, uh, was on uh, the Patrick De- Bet David podcast, um, oh, what is it, about a half a week ago. And he said, you know, I, I'm open to uh, I'm open to voting for Pig Dick Donald Trump. And, you know, we we all basically know the reasons, you know. Your dollar buys less today than it did four years ago. It's as simple as that. And, I mean, there's more than that. You know, racism has gotten worse. Everything's gotten worse. We've got these, uh, you know, these mostly peaceful cities burning to ribbons. You know, all that. So, hey, fair it enough. Good on you, Michael Rappaport, for being honest. I, uh... I encourage more people to come out and say, you know, say as much as well. Because the more folks come out and say this sort of thing, the more folks are unafraid to come out and say this sort of thing. Because there's a lot of people. There's a whole lot of people. I'm not saying that it was 80 million. I just happen to think 80 million is a great number. I'm sure in some database somewhere, perhaps a German database. I don't know. Perhaps some people died to retrieve that database. Again, I don't know. But, you know, maybe there's something on that database about 80 million people that made a decision that um, weren't fully counted. Who can say? Although there's a lot of very interesting uh, legal cases that are coming out regarding tertiary things and uh, stuff that happened in 2022 that, uh, of course... Never happened anywhere else at any other time, only that one time in that one place ever. Um, obviously, I'm referring to uh, nothing at all. <laughs> now, obviously, we're talking about the uh, the election weirdness and the various, uh, shall we say, fortifications that were done across the United States to ensure that a certain result was had. Mm. And we are seeing some interesting cases play out with that. Um Again, playing out. We haven't seen a lot of... We ha- Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. We've seen a number of wins, and we've uh, we've talked about them as they've occurred. But we haven't seen anything huge. It's all noteworthy, certainly, but noteworthy here, noteworthy there. Now, if we take the knowledge of these things that, that we can prove did occur and say, what if... These events occurred in these other, shall we say, problem districts. Well, if they did, then quite obviously everything would have played out very differently. But we can't prove that these things played out as they did in these problem districts. We can only assume until there is actual evidence or actual proof. Well, the Heritage uh, Foundation did an interesting study. Mm -hmm. Did you read that? That might be part of what I'm referencing. Which one do you mean? Uh, they found that... So so we talked a little bit about uh, a ways ago. A ways ago. Um, that there was a uh, study that found 20% of people who committed fraud. The Heritage Foundation looked into this, and they believe that it is closer to... Um, it's closer to... Uh, 28%. Really? Yeah. That's substantial. And 
It is substantial. That is that is very substantial. It is. Like when you're talking about margins like that, what in let's just say one in four. That's that's uh that's gonna make it a gargantuan difference. Like maybe a difference of twenty two million. Say, uh, I mean, so, so, like, there's obviously there's debate over these numbers for sure. Um, uh, hold on, I'm trying to find my. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no worries, no worries. But yeah, no, th- no, that's that's exactly right. There, there is a debate. We don't, and like I'm saying, we don't really know the real numbers. All I can do is throw out a little bit of conjecture and. Sure, educated conjecture, and based on information his sourcing, I can't provide. Uh, if, if for nothing else, then shall we say, I can't truly verify it, but I trust the sources, and I am not going to reveal my sources, because I may not be may not be the biggest guy in the world, but I try and have some ethical standards, and... As much as uh, much as this is a podcast, it is a journalistic exercise as well, and we like to be honest. We like to do journalism the way that journalism is fucking done, and that is with a firm and strict ethical standard. Period. Well, that's good. But you know, I, I kind of I don't. Well, that's not for you. You know that. I mean, you're here, and you know, you know how we uh, how I, we run. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's a you know quite the statement. Oh, there it is. Oh, and speaking of statements, of course, uh, we have we have Mayorkas. Uh, his his own st- yeah you know what I should let the man speak for himself. No doubt there is gridlock on Congress, but do you bear responsibility for what is happening at the border? What the president himself has called a crisis. It certainly is a crisis, and well, we don't bear responsibility for a broken system, and we're doing a tremendous amount within uh, that broken system. I'm, I'm sorry, what, what what was that, Mayorkas? You, you don't bear responsibility. Well, I mean, they're they're never. No, no, but I mean to to hear him actually say the words. That's bold. I mean, he's taken that uh, that vote yesterday. He's really uh, he's really taken that vote to his head. Mm. Uh, that, of course, being for anyone that might have missed it, there was a vote to impeach Mayorkas, and there were four actual no votes amongst the Republicans. There were actually three. One had to change so as to allow the vote to be taken back up. And we very well might see uh, the issue come up as early as uh, Monday or Tuesday. So we'll be reporting on that as it occurs. Or- why Why did the I, – I, so, so, like, I've learned over the years to not be like, oh, my God, the Republicans voted no. There's usually a reason. Right, and and it's not always this. I to be realistic, I haven't got an answer for you offhand. I, I've I don't even necessarily have conjecture. I do have conjecture, but I don't have any educated conjecture. My conjecture would be that you know these people are owned in some way or some fashion. How to what extent? Don't know, but you know, either you know they they owe something, or they want something. And somebody 
has the capability to uh, to hold that sway over him. Because there's really not any... When you're, when you're in an occupation government like this that's, you know, in a downward trend and you've got a rising populist movement, you really don't stand to gain from this. So there's not... There's no good logical answer short of someone needs something or someone has something and needs something done. What what of those it is? Don't know. Can't say. But something's weird about it. Something's very weird about it because, as said, there's logic doesn't provide for any kind of reasonableness in this stance, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what it screams to me. Does, does it speak to you in the same way? Well, I, I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't know. And, and I'd like to say that, hey, you know, this is, I am the, the grand arbiter of reasonableness. But I, I, there could also be other reasons, right? So there's, there's four Republicans who voted against. Mm-hmm. And that could And we be have because... the answer for one. The other three, however, we don't. What is the answer? Well, the one changed his vote so that the whole thing could be redone. So that's why he went to a no vote. It's like so he so that there could be the procedural things done to allow it to go through again and theoretically change the opinion of these three hundred individuals and probably not a single Democrat because let's be real, they play ball. And they only play it with each other. Hmm. And, well, yeah, we, we talked about this earlier. They're very good at it. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. All right. Let's see if that's sufficient. But, uh, yeah, as, as we, uh, I mean, we haven't gone long. We go longer. But since we are trying to kind of wrap it up and not do a crazy long episode for the week. I've got another nice little update. There was a, there's a young man who's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, he had his face painted up in their colors, as a matter of fact, uh, just a few months back. And, well, he caught a, caught a little bit of, caught a little bit of hell for it. And, well, there's been a complaint filed officially with the uh, Geo Media and is uh, putting Deadspin on blast for, quote, malicious and wanton attacks on Holden Armenta. So uh, the young man got his wish for a Chiefs win, and I hope that I get my wish for this young man to be a multimillionaire before he even turns 18. But, yeah, the uh, the case has been filed. Now we wait for it to play itself out. Well, yeah, I saw that and and uh I do wish I do wish the individual congratulations and good luck. And that's so I, that's I of course if anybody wants to look into it more deeply, uh you would you would search up uh Deadspin, Karen Phillips and uh Blackface and you'll be able to find everything you need to 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 really get all the context on this, but you know, I'll throw in a quick little blurb here from Colin Rugg a quick interview I think at the uh, side of the Super Bowl with the young man 
So I, I do wish him the best, and uh, you know, I hope, I hope he does really well for uh, for all his um, for all the dumb bullshit he's caught. Because I mean, this is just a kid. Yep. Well, you know, I hope he makes. Uh, I hope he he gets to to go to whatever school he wants because he doesn't need to apply for student loans anymore. Right. Hmm. Indeed. I hope that he got. I hope that he gets into any non Ivy League school that he chooses. Because after all, we want him to get a good education, not a bad one. I I hope he gets into the Ivy Leagues. Well, I wouldn't want this kid to just be a you know just torn apart by a diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, you're initiatives. you're assuming that he's going to get torn apart rather than doing the tearing, right? Who can? Well, I, he has he has a. Uh, greater call to his heritage than Elizabeth Warren so you know he can always he can always lean into that <sighs> oh, that's funny that is very funny ah oh, good times good times ah oh, teehee ah uh, but anyway have I got any other uh, any other cool good news or anything I guess I got a little tiny piece of interesting good news. Uh, the gatekeeping is seemingly working on the uh, Warhammer 40k front, so I encourage all fans of 40k properties to gatekeep and like your favorite what, gatekeepers. What, how how does that even make how how are they gatekeeping? Uh, just being offensive to the easily offended. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's not tremendously hard. Basically, you just make fun of these people, and they get horrifyingly upset. And as long as the companies that are responsible behind the scenes understand that this isn't your buying audience, the problem largely resolves itself. Yeah, well, you know, that was that was one of the mistakes that... Uh, you just that can't ever stop. made, and Gamergate made. Mm-hmm. You gotta gatekeep. You, know. you just gotta gatekeep. Some things aren't for everyone. And that's okay. And that's yep. perfectly fine. But the other little piece of good news is uh, just an update from Kim Henry Cavill himself. The production with Amazon is going very well. And they're looking at expanding beyond the initial one product. So there could be movies, TV shows, maybe animations. Who knows? But there's more than just the one thing that was going to happen. So, hey. Looking, well, I mean, uh, you know, he he uh, he led, so he did such a good job with Witcher, and he watched. You know, I I it does not surprise me that Amazon picked him up and said, "Hey, you have a you have a cult following in a base. How do we get some of that?" Well, not only that, it's at a really good time too, because uh, 40k and uh, Warhammer, kind of in general, is. It's starting to see a little bit of um, a little bit of interest because it's one of these it's one of these hobby niches that it it's retained its purity. I mean, it's it is certainly more modern than once it was, but it is not affected or infected, I should say, with modernity in the way that so many other modern hobbies are. So it's it is what it is and it's unafraid to say so. You know the folks. Uh, there's a there's this uh, common 
argument that 40K is some sort of, uh, this is some sort of satire against Margaret Thatcher and everything else. And the designers are like, no, it's, no, we've, we just want to tell cool stories and, you know, talk about awesome, badass battles and cool stuff. It's, it's basically, uh, it's basically heavy metal made into a game. And then, and then, you know, it's like, oh. Well, we already did that, so now we actually have to do more than it's just like it's heavy metal that's a game. So now it has a story, a a rich and established story, as a matter of fact. And you know, when you've got a good thing and you want it to keep going, well, you just do. You don't fuck it up. And Games Workshop made one foray into uh kind of that scene and obviously in a world of ESG and diversity, inclusion and equity you can't much like Bud Light you can't offer any sort of apologies you can just course correct Mm -hmm. and if you catch it early then you're fine you catch it too late and well Bud Light has since privated their Super Bowl ad theoretically. So what? Yeah, they've they've got like some Bud Light genie thing, uh, just a, a very just an odd commercial that yeah, yeah, just yeah, doesn't really that. resonate. And so like they put it out there and then well, they I, took it down. I think that the you know, Tim Pool highlighted it and he said it, it you know, it, it was basically an homage to historical stuff that Bud Light has attempted to use to bait its audience, right? That's really what it is. It's sports, food, drinking, hot women, the whole bit, right? Sure. And and they tried to turn it into a guy's guy's thing, right? Jokes, jokes were built into it. Like, you know, the guy says he's a genie. There's a woman who says she's a Gemini. And, you know, that's a classic. Hey, let's avoid the crazy fucking astrology chicks right sure um yeah no it, it's and, and very tropey and very meany but it's also out of touch yeah well i mean the, the problem is that so so here's the thing I, it, it seems it seems that the people who really were into the bud light thing uh i i cheered it on but i never bought bud light to begin with so it's <laughs> yeah right same a. yeah Right, exactly. like, like, oh no, um, a beer I never drank from a company I never supported. Right, like I've drunk the beer before, but not not often. Um, so the question is, uh, you know, what is it that's going to bring customers back? And from what I've seen, is there are people who want a damn apology. Mm-hmm. They legitimately want they 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 you want thirty percent of your base back. You want a 30% increase in sales. You have to explicitly, not implicitly, they've done a lot of implicit stuff, go against the DEI stuff. Yep. Corporate statement, backing down from uh, ESG and DEI. Has to happen. That's, that is the line for rather a, rather a number of people. Yep. I myself, no. I, I like where, uh, I like where Tim Pool is, you know, just take the win. And don't just take the win, seize the win. 
grab it with both yep. hands and don't let anybody fucking take it from you and force them to uh you know to either I mean, I... to Im- to uh not explicitly but implicitly support that because as we've said these companies they they can't they can't really there's a lot of things that they cannot explicitly do in the current economic climate of the world i mean they could oh yeah they could absolutely and would it uh, help them out maybe I, to be honest maybe i don't not. think so because i, I don't think the damage is like, kind of done it it might yeah. it's it's kind of a it's too late now kind of thing i think right like they they had every opportunity to pull it out of a tailspin uh they really did I know it might not seem like that to the execs, but had they had they done early intervention and damage control, they they could have actually done something. But instead, they decided to, you know, oh, this individual is, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna put her on a paid vacation for a little bit, you know, where they oh, could have they, avoided you know, we a didn't really yeah. we didn't really turn around and actually make commemorative can of an individual who was controversial. That was that was not really like we didn't pay them. We just randomly sent them a can. There was there was no deal worth And and, that, and after all that was a third party advertising agency that did that. That wasn't yeah. us directly. You know. So yeah, all this equivocating bullshit doesn't it doesn't really work. It doesn't make right. your case like that, real that's well. That's the thing is they they could have had they just owned it and they said, "Yep." We're, I'm sorry, you know, we, we well, thought that or, we could go or after... Or better yet, better yet, because, as I've said, they can't. They cannot apologize, at least not explicitly. No, they could. You could. What, you have to. They could. They could. But being realistic right. in the ESG marketplace of today, it, it would actually be a bit of a corporate death knell because they'd be blacklisted from certain banking institutions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying that there aren't going to But that being said, but it. that being said... I mean, that's that's just tertiary to the point that I'm trying to make. And that being that they could have implicitly done this, like what they're doing now with um, the Bud Light genie, with the fucking the the sponsoring of UFC, with the uh, the Harley Davidson thing, the camo can. They could have done that shit immediately and not said one goddamn word. None of this double down shit. None of this equivocation shit. Just shut up. Do the pro America thing. And make this disappear. Make sure she's well, they, fired. They, and just okay, we're shutting up. This we are turning a corner. We're going to show you that we're turning that corner, and we're not going to say another word about it. That's what that's what Games Workshop did. And and people are like, okay, fine, whatever. We get it. You fucked up. It's cool. They're fired. It's fine. Whatever. But they they didn't even do so much as that. They doubled down. They throw out these equivocations. And. A lot of people took that as a bit of a slap in the face. Well, and and like rightly so, right? Like, sure. They 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 turned around. They this is this is the thing, right? What I am sure. So when you start talking about, um, why is this? Why is the ESG thing here? I understand ESG investing financially. They're just trying to basically, you know, they're 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 the classic firemen attempting to move the catcher net against the falling money, right? So ESG is always about 
attempting to make sure companies can catch government dollars. That's all it is. Well, That's, not just government it, it dollars, a, but but economic dollars, to be fair, because, I mean, a lot of this, like, it's coming from BlackRock and Vanguard, which are non-governmental entities, obviously. But nonetheless, nonetheless, the, right, but, the but point why stands. Why would they be interested in it? The, the reason they'd be interested in it is all of the ESG elements are all about government, government spending protocols and getting businesses into a position to catch those dollars that are freely being spent, right? It is essentially, if you talk about the government creating a, a, a monetary program or a monetary incentive to go do something, there's going to be people who go do it, right? And so if you talk about these three things, these are the three things that particularly the left, and when the left is in control of the government, they spend money on. So, yeah, that's all it is. If you start talking about things like Bud Light choosing to do this to the brand, it's not about ESG. I really don't think that's what it's about. I can guarantee you that this individual, who was a woke little piece of shit, uh, and, and she got hired into a high-end marketing thing. She probably had some other stuff in her resume. And she was going to go into the what's an unidentified market playbook. It's not an unreasonable playbook. It's what we expect businesses as investors. We expect businesses to go after. But that's what she was going after. And unfortunately, what they thought is, is they probably turn around. They probably had demographic data that says – the majority of our customers are conservative white men, right? That is, they probably had that market demographic data that said it's conservative white men in the 35 to, you know, 49 age bracket. That's our demographic. Well, we really want to capture the 18 to 34 demographic. We really want to sit well, there. Well, they're like into the woke stuff. Capture. So obviously the, the thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, let's try to get women because women is 50% of the population, but maybe they're only, you know, 20%, 30% of our market. Let's try to get the 18 to 34-year-olds. They are representing the upcoming thing. We want to build brand loyalty. These are all very normal business discussions, and then they chose to do it. But what they didn't realize is that right now in the culture, there are two very, very distinct sides – and they despise each other. And you can either play neutral and play nice, or you will get nuked by either side. So you, the best choice for a business right now is probably to not pick something. But if you don't pick something, then you're going to have one side claiming or causing problems because you're not picking a picking a side, not siding with it, right? So they tried to reach out. They tried to expand their market. They did so at the expense of their current customer base because at the end of the day all of those liberals all of those wokenistas every one of those gay motherfuckers they are sitting there with a bitch drink every single one of them that is they, they are trying to capture a market that's not going to go for a shitty ass horse piss tasting beer and again I'm not saying that because it's Bud Light and it's Culture War stuff. I have zero interest in buying a Bud Light. I never turn around and go, you know what? I want to buy a Bud Light. That's never there. I think I bought Bud Light twice. Once when I was in college and it was the, 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 the largest volume of alcoholic material I could pour down a funnel. 
Uh, and it's obviously I'm not not intending on tasting it there. And the second is uh, shit. Oh, they had a, a, a pitcher night at uh, this this bar I used to go to when I go out and play pool. Get chicken wings at one place, and we go to this other place and play buy a pitcher of beer for the night. And uh, they, it was like a five dollar pitcher. I mean, hmm. why not, right? Sure. This was a long time ago. But if you're talking about stuff that I'm going to drink, I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to drink mixed drinks. I don't do that. But I get all of the, the LGBT community, that's where that culture is. Yeah, there's some folks who will drink a beer. But most of the LGBT community is enthralled in being LGBT. And that is all about the mixed drinks and the pinkies and the oh my god and yet all that stuff, right? That You're not going to draw them in with a pilsner. There's nothing... There's nothing there. The left is much more like they're not crunchy granola types. That the, the conservatives and libertarians have gotten crunchy granola types, but the the left has gone um, kind of pop up uh, things, things that are are hip for the moment, and then they fade into obscurity. And uh, you know they're 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 designed with all of this cultural consciousness. But those kinds of products, they, they 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 don't exist for very long in these people's minds. You're not going to take an established brand like Bud Light and track them. So what you did was you you just by wading into the culture war, you pissed off your base, mm-hmm. and you gained no new customers. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. They probably did gain some new customers as part. Oh of this, yeah, but the right? trade off like, is pretty vast. Right. So so they the the net is thirty percent loss. Now that could be a. 40% loss of your customer base and a 10% gain of this new customer base, but it's probably more like yeah, 35-5%. Mm, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what the uh, the final numbers are at the end of the day, but you know, to see them still flailing like this is uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. It uh, doesn't speak well for them, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, so, is there anything... in any case, it is definitely too late. Fair enough. I stayed here long, long beyond the point at which I should have gone to bed. Oh yeah, we were we were planning on doing kind of a short one, and here we are, like two and a half hours later. It happens. Yeah, it happens. But um, well, I guess uh, I guess we didn't get our Craigles tonight. But you can find him if you'd like. Craig Bob 99. Uh, of course, you can find Steve at Ratman 720. I'm Evan. You can find me uh, all the places at that fake guy Dan. Do please share the podcast from whatever uh, whatever source you're getting it from. It's not like I make anything off of all this. But if you'd like to, uh, you can support us uh, directly through Odyssey. Uh, there's going to be links below for you know the other methods. Or said if you really want, I'll give you my PayPal if you want to actually directly help out. At the moment, all the money is going towards uh, keeping all my lights on and, uh, honestly, trying to keep a friend of mine fed who's in a real bad situation. But that's not a story that matters to the show or any of this. That's just some first stuff. Anyway, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you again real soon. <laughs>